I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. All out of bubblegum. fucking Mark Twain shit, because it's definitely getting chisel on your tombstone. It's, uh, this is Paul here. Hi, Paul. How's it going? Good, good. This is Marco. How you doing? Hey. Good. Uh, yeah, we were just kind of we were just kind of hanging out here, bullshitting, waiting for you, and uh, talking about about having guests on our podcast. <laughs> Ironically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> well, uh, is, is this? Uh, do you guys normally have guests, or, or is it uh, like part of the format, or what?
Uh, hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to Who Will Survive. Uh, we are back with another bonus episode, and uh, this time myself and Marco are joined by a current movie director who has a, a movie out now that's generating a lot of buzz and also has another movie that we're big fans of, so really happy to have Mr. Tyler McIntyre. Uh, how you doing? Hey, good. Thanks so much for having me. Welcome. Yeah, this is great. Um, we uh, just, you know, we kind of came across one of your movies because um, in, in this horror podcasting, a lot of people kind of are privy to stuff earlier than other people, and we are not lucky to be privy to stuff early. So uh, <laughs> some of our friends had your movie in their, their top 10 movies of 2017. Uh, so we had done a show where we were kind of going back and checking out some of the movies that came out that people really liked and we hadn't seen. Uh, it was like a better late than never was kind of the concept of the the show there. So uh, we, right. we put your movie on the list and ended up really, you know, liking uh, Tragedy Girls quite a bit. And then from talking to some of our friends said, oh, have you seen uh, his other movie? So we checked out Patchwork as well. And um, just, I, I don't know, somehow decided to kind of like look you up and see if I could find you online. So I added you and kind of just reached out to you about talking about the movies and then uh, here we are. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a, so how did you kind of get started with, uh, you know, what's your, your film history as far as um, I'm sure, you know, as a kid or whatever, you're probably a big movie fan and stuff, but then, um, did you go through like kind of the traditional making movies at home and then go to film school? Did you sort of get more self-taught or? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, I'm from Canada originally, um, from a okay. little town north of, uh, north of Calgary. Okay. Uh, so it's kind of, um, sort of in the middle of nowhere. I mean, my town is, uh, named, uh, Olds, but it's like 5,000 people. So there's not a lot of hmm. film industry around there. Sure. Um, so hmm. like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely grew up kind of making movies on VHS, and then um, and then as I, I got older, then you know, uh, like nonlinear editing was kind of starting to come out, and it, it you know mini DV and, and and things started to kind of go digital. So all that kind of was happening like when I um, you know as I was uh, starting to make shorts and 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 get a little bit more serious about it, kind of in high school, mm -hmm. and then um, uh, so I, I ended up going to um, uh, college and taking psychology but was uh, mostly just kind of using that to kind of like, I was mostly just meeting people and making movies and, <laughs> and uh, doing that much more than, uh, you know, um, going to class or, 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 uh, or really prioritizing, uh, academic stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I just, you know, I, I just watched a lot of movies and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, made movies with my friends when I could. And, uh, and then gradually, you know, they got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, um, uh, eventually I moved to Toronto, uh, and, which is kind of like uh, one of the two centers in, in Canada. And uh, when I got there, it was kind of a, a weird time. Like uh, things were kind of uh, like the Canadian industry is a bit um, strange in that it, it was, especially at that time, uh, which is about 10 years ago, was very uh, reliant on uh, like the government assistance that exists, like, you know, the granting programs right. and things like that. And so there's a lot of like, um, you know, for indie filmmakers, it can be pretty frustrating because a lot of like the people who have already have careers get all, uh, get a lot of the benefits. Okay. Um, and they weren't really supporting a lot of new voices. And, and like, that's gradually, it seems like it's sort of starting to change, but like for somebody who wants to make genre movies, like, you know, um, like one thing they hate is an experience and the second thing they hate is genre movies. So it's, sure, uh, sure. it was really tough to, um, you know, uh, convince people to, to do anything uh, that wasn't just kind of put together by ourselves. And so, um, I ended up, uh, going to grad school there and, and really wasn't super happy with the program, but you know, the experience was fine. And, um, so I ended up actually going to, uh, the American Film Institute, 
Um, you know, um, but I, and so I, I did end up going to film school, but uh, it was, you know, as a as a graduate. Um, uh, so it was, you know, a tier kind of program and um, a little bit more of like a, uh, you know, a master's kind of thing. Um, and and the AFI is great because they, you know, they have a lot of um, resources and they have a lot of, um, you know, kind of good alumni and they're bringing a lot of great speakers and things like that. So I was able to move to Los Angeles and, and you know, um, see some of these, you know, uh, kind of heroes of mine come to speak and and you um, you can learn a lot just from you know seeing you know JJ Abrams um, you know up on stage and being like oh he's just a guy you know like yeah yeah and, yeah. and uh, you know being able to kind of visualize that sort of stuff and then um, uh, you know and uh, once I kind of um, started like I, by then I I'd been writing a lot more and it was starting to kind of find my voice and um, and then so then uh, between my first and second year at AFI I started working for uh, Roger Corman uh as uh you know like uh essentially i I was like look like you know i i have to i need an internship of some sort you know like i I doesn't need to pay anything like i can i can edit though and so he was like sure you know like um Um, and literally like you know like i I called you know his office and just talked to his assistant and then he called me back personally like 10 minutes later and was like yeah come on in like um (laughs) you know and he's, he's in his 80s at that point like it was a you know very uh a very warm reception and then uh you know, he uh, uh, ended up letting me recut this uh, Christopher Lloyd like dirt racing movie that they had that was, uh, okay. you know, kind of in trouble. And uh, I only think it got a, re- a release in Europe, but I got to like direct some reshoots for that. And it kind of became like my first, you know, job in Hollywood. And, okay. um, and, uh, and I, after that, I was like, well, you know, like maybe I should embrace this, you know, like maybe I should be making, like I should try and get you know, kind of like I, like I got to recut a movie and all my friends are getting coffee at like, you know, focus features or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm like, you know, actually getting to make a movie and it seemed like, well, maybe I should embrace, you know, doing these kind of lower budget indie genre movies. Um, cause you can start at like, you can start at a, you know, at a real creative point and really learn how to make movies in a nuts and bolts way. Um, rather than trying to get, um, you know, the worst job ever on a huge production and then climb the ladder. And since I was Canadian, that wasn't even really an option because no one gives you a visa to like, you know, get coffee. Like you do have to kind of make noise. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, yeah. So then that just kind of helped me, you know, p- push towards um, uh, more like uh, sci-fi fantasy horror stuff that I was already kind of interested in. And yeah, for um, sure. Decided to make that my, uh, my um, direction, I guess. I've actually heard uh, other people on interviews talk about, um, you know, getting a start with Roger Corman, uh, just because he's such a, like the way that he does everything is so hands-on and, and give everyone a shot and, you know, here's a little bit of money, so impress me with it kind of thing, you know. Uh, so I've heard of a lot of people kind of getting their start that way, so that's actually really cool to hear that you had kind of uh, cut your teeth there as well. Yeah, totally. And, and the thing is, like, I mean, obviously in the 70s and, uh, and 60s and even into the 80s, he, he, you know, helped a lot of people out, but... Um, but, uh, you know, it was still like a completely open door policy when I was there in like, you know, 2009, 2010. Sure. Like, uh, you know, he's just, uh, um, I think, you know, there's not, like, I don't think he's, um, he's not making that many movies anymore. So I'm kind of glad I got that experience because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people, you know, um, know he is. And, you know, he was just a, uh, did a lot to kind of, uh, you know, make you kind of realize that you can, you can do a lot with a little. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that, um, uh to hear that you studied psychology because it really does show up in your movies and that's one thing where and i'm sure that we'll get into it when we start talking about uh patchwork uh, especially and in tragedy girls it's like i always have a problem watching a movie where it's like will that guy really do that or would that group of people really do that and in your movies you ha- you find a way to kind of put that thinking psychology mode 
as a, you know, into the viewer, like, um, making us really buy into the character. So when you said that you had a, like a, like you studied psychology, it, it, you know, it's just like, well, that makes sense. Oh yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, um, mom was also a, a psychologist as well. So I kind of grew up a bit around that stuff. Sure. Um, sure. And, uh, yeah. So I mean, and I definitely am very interested in, in like, I read a lot of uh, psychology articles and, and things like that. And, and I'm very interested in like serial killers and true crime and stuff. So, uh, and that I think definitely bleeds a lot to, uh, to the type of stories that I write and I'm interested in reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard on um, another interview that you did that you had said that you listened to like some true crime podcasts and stuff, um, which I I listened to a little bit of that as well. Um, sometimes I find them to be a little bit, a little too depressing because I know that they're real as opposed to <laughs> right. you know the, even as realistic as a movie is, you still can turn it off and go, well, I know that wasn't real. So, um, but yeah, that's well when you start putting real faces and real per, you know families in, yeah. in that, it gets yeah, you, I can see how it gets depressing, but yeah. But, but it's also, you know, for for a story writer, it's it's it is uh, research too, and it's addicting too. Oh uh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's very fascinating. Like, there's a lot of. I mean, I don't know. I think that darkness is, you know, tremendously, uh, <laughs> you know, like entertaining. Oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. yep. it's you know pretty pretty scary, and you just kind of have to. Well, you can get in kind of a dark headspace pretty quickly if you're not careful. Sure. <laughs> Now, um, you said that you had kind of gone from that to st- uh, from editing to kind of making your own shorts. Um, was that just, you know, because of trying a little bit here and there and, and kind of picking it up and then it really uh, it, like sort of lit a fire within you or, or, you know, made you feel like you could go a little further with it? Or was that always kind of the goal was to move into the writing and directing or do you have kind of a, a more specific target that you wanted to do one or the other? Uh, yeah, I mean that was already, always my my goal was to write and direct because I was you know because when you grow up making making little, little movies and and like I was writing and directing shorts in Canada sure um, and in Toronto um, you know uh, I but I knew that if I moved to Los Angeles like it, I would need a little bit more of a stable income and people like and I, by people I mean like the industry in general like there's a culture of of sort of undervaluing writing and directing like uh, like on the outset like mm-hmm. you know like they're quite well compensated you know at, once you get to a certain level right but there's this you know uh you know kind of um false assumption that like anybody can write because you you learn to do it in school and you think that's the same skill set sure and uh, and everybody can direct because everyone wants can ever because everybody is a savvy movie viewer and they think that that's mm-hmm. somehow the same mm-hmm. um <laughs> so yeah right. it, it becomes a very uh like slippery slope and so um there's this sense that like um you know that that you don't have that you shouldn't be paying for like writing and directing like uh you know at a certain level and i'm not even talking about you know full-on like you know getting people to do stuff for free which i'm uh, i'm against uh, a a lot like on on the feature side um but uh you know it's just uh like if you wanted to um uh, like when you're just starting out you'll work for pretty much anything you know (laughs) like and uh and right and you know, especially at like a, a common place, but um, but whereas editing and cinematography uh, and like you know to a certain extent production design, like there since they're not everyone has that skill, like because there's like a technical component to it. Sure. Um, people tend to um, like more so cinematography and, and editing. Um, you know, they're a little bit less reluctant to pay for it because you like have gear and, and and even editing is kind of getting that way now that there's a lot more like you can edit on a laptop and stuff. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, typically if you've made a feature or a short, like you will have some money to pay somebody to edit it, um, or else you're going to be stuck after just having a movie that you've shot that you, that's not done. And, 
it's uh, so I knew that that was a little bit more of a hard skill that I could use to support myself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I ended up doing that um, um, for you know like uh, almost five years. But but uh, you know, and then the whole the whole time I was still directing a, you know at least a short a year and, and writing at least a script a year. Uh, you know, and looking for like a way to get it out into the uh, you know in front of people as many people as I could. So like I, I wrote all sorts of like dead end projects. Like I wrote a I wrote a script called Bear Sharktopus that was like. You know, <laughs> kind of like capitalizing on that whole like um you know wave of like creature features that was coming out on like sci-fi sure and um and then uh, like shortly after i wrote that script uh, corman actually ended up doing sharktopus like an unrelated you know like story but, uh, <laughs> right. but, but I, I, you know like uh because like, he was literally like nobody will nobody likes composite creatures kind of thing. <laughs> like, yeah and i was like you know um but uh but we like options this meme this bear sharktopus meme and like wrote a script kind of around that and had kind of a sort of super eight vibe, but like, but like Joe Dante read it and like we, we had a meeting about it and, uh, you know, it was, it was really, uh, like it was kind of like good to kind of get around town and, and have people kind of reading some of the stuff that was, you know, that I was and, and liking like the horror comedy angle that I kind of had. Right. And, and that led me into it, like a few other scripts. And then, um, and then eventually, uh, uh, you know, I, I found, um, one of the guys, um, uh, that, uh, uh, was a producer at, uh, the FI when I was there uh, became a manager, and then I was one of his first clients. Okay, and so then uh, that helped me kind of start to get out and have more meetings and stuff. And then um, and then Chris, um, my writing partner, um, who was uh, still living in Toronto at the time, kind of working in television, um, we ended up uh, writing uh, the script uh, Patchwork, mm-hmm. which kind of became the first my first like you know feature as a director. Right. How did you end up meeting your writing partner? Uh, I met him in Edmonton when I was uh, doing my undergrad. I was doing psychology and he was doing history and we were just kind of the kids in our hometowns who made movies and, you know, had cameras and, uh, and so we made all these, you know, little shorts together and, uh, and then he went in, um, uh, uh, ended up going to Toronto and kind of working more in television mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. when I was going to film school and we just kind of kept in touch and, um, and then, uh, we were looking for something to write together, uh, and when he was coming down to visit and, uh, I had recently made this patchwork short, which was just essentially this female Frankenstein, like two minute thing. Right. Uh, and, um, and then we were like, Oh, we should make like a, you know, like a feature version of that. And so, uh, cause that way we would ha- already have a proof of concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, well, a proof of concept for people who don't know is like, just like sometimes, you know, you shoot like a fake trailer or a short film or like a pic- couple right. pages from your script to kind of show people the tone of your movie. And since I had already made this short, we thought we'd write a script to match it, you know, <laughs> sure, because um, it would make it easier to kind of you know finance and sell and convince people that we know what we were doing. Nice, nice. Um, what? Uh, and I, um, I had heard you say that uh, the Evil Dead Two is uh, basically one of your or your favorite horror movie, and we talk about how it's hard to really pin down like your favorite horror movies, but um, which when when you said that. I thought, well, that actually really makes sense with kind of the, the tone of, of both of your movies that I've seen now. Um, do you have some other movies that uh, were, were kind of like a big influence on you that might influence uh, sort of where you might go in the future with doing more horror? Or, you know, if, if you plan to do more horror type of things or, uh, you know, what are some other like big movies that were influential to you, I guess, as far as horror movies? Yeah, I mean, the, the I mean, for me, I, like, obviously, you know, I, I'm... Um, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, that whole um, series, especially Evil Dead 2, were like really um, kind of the early ones that really blew my mind where you mm-hmm. were just like, how, like, how can a movie be this fun? You know, like, yeah, and, ah, right. Yeah. 
and I think uh, you know a lot of people have 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 a similar reaction who are who are my age. Um, but uh, you know, I also really loved um, uh, Reanimator, and uh, you know, and then you get into like you know like the Howling and you know uh, like you know like you know sure. like John Landis stuff, and realize that you know. By the time you put together that American World from London and Animal House are done by the same person, your mind's blown, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and uh, so there's a lot of, like, that discovery that I think I went through that a lot of people went through of, like, that new wave of, of horror in the 80s that was, um, you know, so paramount. But um, some of the stuff that I like that's a little bit, um, you know, more unusual that are a little bit less, like, like I mean, one of my, my probably my second favorite John Carpenter movie is, um, is Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which I love, you know, like, yes. but, like, yeah. it's like, you know, but you see like documentaries about John Carpenter and they don't even mention that movie. And I just think it's like super underrated. And, but it's like, you know, like probably the most romantic, like, you know, kind of sincere movie he has. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I think that's, uh, like a big part of, uh, uh, some of, uh, uh, some of, some of his work and, and, and his personality when you hear him kind of talk is he does have like a little bit more faith than, you know, the thing would imply, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like as brilliant as, as those, you know, kind of marquee movies are, um, uh, you know, uh, some of the stuff that I connected to was a little bit, uh, you know, often a little bit, um, uh, kind of the lesser work of, of some of the guys that they were, you know, big. Sure. Absolutely. Like, like, I mean, like I really like Swamp Thing, you know, like, like it's like, for me, it's like, it's like Wes Cravens. It's like, it's like scream Swamp Thing, you know, like, which is, I don't think anyone says that. You, know? <laughs> you, you are hitting all the movies that I absolutely love and grew up with. And the, the one thing that, um, like there's two different thoughts of a horror movie, right? Like there's that scary that I want to scare the audience moments and the, they use the music and they use the, you know, j- jump scares and the dark lighting and everything. And then there's the horror movies, but they have a comedic element where it's comfortable watching and you're having fun. Like you walked out of there having fun. A lot of horror movies you don't have fun with. They're just like, oh, that was cool. Cool twist. Um, I can see this happening or I can see that not happening. So is so obviously i mean there's a theme in the two movies that i that that you have out here is that more of a relaxed fun time but yes you are telling a great story so is that something that you want to continue moving forward or is that where you want to delve into like you mentioned john carpenter he has those kind of uh those fun ride movies and then he has those real dark movies at the same time yeah so, i mean yeah I mean, I would say neither Patchwork nor Tragedy Girls are as scary as I'd hope they'd be. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> well, that's interesting I, you say that. Uh, on, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's interesting that you say that that you uh, not as scary as you hope to be because, um, especially with Patchwork, I I was real like it was a great great movie to me and and a fun movie like it was fun. But and it had and I could sit there and go, yeah, that was a great horror movie I just saw. Uh-huh. It doesn't necessarily had to be scary, you know what I mean, like that jump scare or gross out factor and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like the the roller coaster approach, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like like I mean, I say it's they're not as scary as they uh, as I was hoping they'd be, but they're also you know like I was hoping they'd be funnier too, you know. Like, but sure, you know, like, sure. You know, you have to make these compromises, but uh, but most of my favorite horror movies are, uh, you know, have have a very biting wit to them, you know, like like you know, Evil Dead and like um, mm-hmm. a lot of the horror comics, you know, and even yeah. like later on. You know, like I'm a huge fan of like Shaun of the Dead and, you know, like, um, yeah. and there's a lot of, um, and even stuff like Idle Hands, you know, like I feel like has a lot yes. of success. <laughs> right. And so it's, it's good to kind of, um, it, but like there's some sort of like somebody in some sales meeting at some point decided that horror comedies weren't lucrative. <laughs> right. And whoever did that is a 
fucking criminal. Um, <laughs> I hear you. No, I definitely hear the, you because I, I think there needs to be more. Yeah. Yeah, and, and everyone like people really cite that as like as like, oh, it's so hard to get off the ground. And like then they'll and so like when I was trying to get patchwork going, you know, people would read the script and be like, Do you know there's some jokes in this horror movie? You know, like and I'd be like, Yeah, I, uh-huh. I, I and like well, what will the audience think of the tone? You know, like and it's just like sure. fretting like you know, it's real like pearl clutching bullshit. Like and I think that they can um probably you know, like like that's I think a, a very um common way of thinking but it's it's really thinking the audience is a lot dumber than they are mm-hmm. and we've sure. really moved past that point i think and you know and, and now that i've made two horror comedies that both of which have pretty difficult tones mm-hmm. i uh, you know in meetings i don't really get that that particular um you know roadblock um anymore but uh but i think a lot of people still do and i think it stands in the way of of good you know mixing of genres because people want to think of especially like people who are not on the creative side want to think of things sure, in very sure. right terms, which I think can be quite destructive. Sure. Um, yeah. So uh, um, I, I had a question that might put you a little on the spot to pick some movies, but I'm sure you got something. Um, you uh, said that your favorite mov- uh, favorite genre of movies is the uh, slasher genre. And uh, I was actually trying to put together a show for us uh, involving sort of lesser known slashers, but ones that are, are really great movies. Uh, would you have any recommendations maybe of some, uh, some great like eighties or early nineties slasher type of movies that aren't the, uh, the well-known ones of the franchise movies? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a I mean, I mean, you know, there's a lot of them around, like, I mean, it depends on, on who your, who your audience is. Like, I mean, there's ones that I think that are kind of, kind of classics like Prowler, you know, like, or, even like the burning or like just before dawn, you know, like a lot of these ones that like, I don't think get a lot of airtime, but are classics. And if you're, you know, if you're, if you're a fan of like, you know, slash or subgenre people, you know, people know those titles. Sure. Um, um, but uh, you know, like, I, like, I mean, for just like, I like, um, you know, like I like prom night too, a lot more than prom night, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, and you know, but there's uh, you know, but like for something like, um, like blood diner, like I hadn't heard of that until I heard, uh, heard about it on shockwaves, you know? Okay. And, uh, and, and I checked that out recently. I was like, that's fucking great. You know, like there's, um, right. There's a lot of cool, um, you know, uh, uh, type of, uh, slashers, uh, around, um, you know, and, and in usually the, the funny thing about slashers, even like unsuccessful ones often get sequels. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, oh yeah. yeah. It, it's kind of, um, interesting. So I, I always like to, you know, like my favorite Friday the 13th movie is number five, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, sure. So, uh, like, I, I like to kind of push those to the forefront because I feel like people don't, you know, people watch one and two a lot or yeah. just one, right? You know, right, and right. not not really revisit um, some of the other ones, even though there's some pretty cool work that happens in them, right? I mean, does that, does that help you at all? Like, I've no. Oh yeah, um, yeah. No, you mentioned some good names there for sure. I know I I like a lot of the weird Fridays, but I, there's also some of the bad ones I don't like. But I'm uh, I'm a number seven apologist myself. I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of number seven, but a lot of people don't like that one for some reason. Well, I think that yeah, right. I, um, for the record, mine is number three, three D. But anyway, um, <laughs> also, I, 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 yeah, I think um, we ask those kind of questions because g- doing a podcast and being a horror fan of you know pretty much just living it and watching everything we can, I like to see what other people's opinions are or what they or like what those hidden gems like you know right. when you feel real passionate about a movie and you want to tell everybody about it but no one's heard of it mm-hmm. that you kind of you kind of own it like that's your movie right and then you have this kind of protection over it like um here see this and if you don't like it well then i don't know what to tell you but you you kind of own that so I'm, it's it's very curious to hear other people's 
uh, I guess, passion movies that they're not as heard of, but mm-hmm. you love them it, it, just the same. And it could be when you saw it, who was with you when you saw it, or what you know, what time period in your life that made that movie better? Like you said, where you know, Prom Night Two didn't get the praise that it get, but you love it probably much more than Prom Night One, and it could be where it was your personal experience. But it's always curious to hear what people have like these hidden gems that um, that could be obscure movies, and it doesn't have to be obscure movies either. It could be like, well, right. I like the I like the the mainstream forefront slashers too, but it's yeah. it's, a, it's curious, yeah. Yeah, t- totally. And there's something like I think there's um, sort of a generational shift that kind of happened when I was growing up, like where you where like Generation X, like yeah. youth became like millennial youth. And it was um, there was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of pride in like the idea that you would find something obscure and like right. and that would be like, oh, well, I found like a piece of art and I unearthed it and it's mine and I'm going to tell who I want about it. And it's like Correct. Uh, and it's a different way of kind of like. I mean, and I remember that, like I, there's like the chase was part of the fun of it, you know, Yes, the yes, idea yes. like, oh, I'm going to watch Cannibal Holocaust and I'm going to watch it or like within the woods, you know, like, like, sure. you know, like that, that 60, you know, like, um, and I'm going to watch it on a bootleg in some dude's basement at a comic book shop, you know, like, and that's going to be like, you know, cause right. that's yeah. where I find it. Um, and that's, um, you know, there's something interesting about that culture. Mm-hmm. What, but I also like, I, I think I ended up kind of on the, on the other side of things where, where like, you know, if I find something cool, I'll try and share it with as many people as possible. Oh, and yeah. that's like a millennial kind of, I think, approach to things. Right. Um, but, uh, you actually just reminded me of, um, one of the things, do you guys ever see Radio Land murders? Uh, no. Yes. I yes, I did. I, I think that's like, uh, uh, no one thinks of that movie is a horror comedy, but that movie is, I think a definitely a horror comedy and it's like, like, you know, George Lucas did the story, you know, like it's right. like, and like Brian Benben stars in it and like Christopher Lloyd's in it and uh, Larry Miller and Jeffrey Tambor. Like it's, it's a kind of a, no one, uh, and it has like this crazy, like Scott Pilgrim sort of like Howard Hawks pacing to it. Okay. It's right. bonkers. Um, and that movie does not get nearly enough, um, credit for like nice. how awesome it is. We'll definitely have to, uh, consider doing that for an episode. Oh, absolutely. uh, No, um, I think you definitely suggested a lot of cool things there. And um, I think, uh, you know, we can probably get into talking about your uh, your current movies. And then maybe at the end, you know, we can ask you a little bit about what you have maybe coming up or your ideas for the future. Um, You know, after we talk about what you've already done here, we'll try and stay in kind of a a linear timeline here, right? So, uh, all right. So... Why don't we, uh, I'm just going to take a quick break here and we'll come back and we'll talk about your movies Patchwork and Tragedy Girls.
Okay, we're back, and we're going to uh, talk about Tyler's movies. Uh, so why don't we start with Patchwork, which was officially made in 2015. Um, and I know with, with some of these independent movies, the release dates are kind of weird. So I know some people were counting it as a 2016. Some people were counting it as a 2017 movie. Uh, we kind of just don't, you know, we make up our own rules here. So it's... Uh, <laughs> Right. Just it just came out this year to us apparently because we just discovered it. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It is a bit weird. Like we shot it in uh, December uh, twenty fourteen. Okay. And uh, so so then um, you know we uh, so I was editing in, in twenty fifteen, and then we did some pickups, and it didn't premiere until um, uh, October twenty fifteen because there's a lot of uh, you know genre horror festivals around that time, so we knew we could play a lot of dates all at once. Sure. Um, and get kind of uh, hype. So it was it was you know it was almost a year after we we shot it. Okay. Uh, or t- ten months or so, which is not unusual. Like that's a decent turnaround. Um, but then uh, it got, ended up getting um, uh, picked up by this company called The Orchard. Um, mm-hmm. And and so then uh, they were going through some like reassessment of of what they're they're like a distribution company, a great distribution company, and um, uh, they've been really cool with us. And um, they're they're like a you know de- decent sized indie distributor, but they were going through a regime change. So we ended up um, they kind of sh- reshuffled their slate, okay. and we ended up kind of pushed to the end of that. Sure. And so we didn't come out until June two thousand seventeen. Um, but uh, you know, which wasn't that you know crazy because we were still playing festivals you know into two thousand sixteen, and then um, uh, through most of two thousand sixteen, and then um, and then uh, you know we came out in June two thousand seventeen on VOD, and then we hit Netflix on September, and then a lot more people see it. Once it hit ne- hits Netflix, because it's you know, oh yeah, um, for sure, sure, and uh, and that's when. Um, so it was kind of funny because actually, you know, Patrick came out, um, you know, essentially in June, and then hit Netflix in September, and then Tragedy Girls came out in October because we right. had shot, you know, Tragedy Girls um, in 2016. Sure. Yeah, I um, I think that I had heard some people had had listed it as a a top movie, and if I had seen it before I made my list, it probably would have made my list because. Um, you yeah. know, not to bury the lead or anything here, but uh, I, I was a huge fan of this when I saw it the first time, and then rewatching it, it was only better. So, um, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So, what um, what was some of the uh, the creative process as far as like just coming up with this idea and and where you came up with the story for all of this? Um, I, I know obviously there was some reanimator inspiration with kind of the uh, the green reanimating agent that you guys mm-hmm. use and uh, some of that uh, Frankensteining people back together type of thing. Uh, but what was uh, where you know where did you kind of come up with this idea as far as um, you know it's where where the I think this differs is that it's the people put back together, but then the all the consciousness of the three people stay together in that one body and have to kind of learn how to interact together and, and work as one unit. So, yeah, I mean, uh, our, uh, um, the, the short film kind of came first. And so I ended up, um, essentially, uh, uh, thinking about, um, you know, different ways to kind of try and break some new ground, you know, by using something that was a bit classic. And, you know, at the time there's a lot of zombie stuff that was being done that was, you know, uh, kind of innovative or trying to do find something new within that mm-hmm. and I was and but people were um, you know kind of staying a bit away from um, from Frankenstein stuff with the exception of like I Frankenstein right you know mm-hmm. and so and I was like you know what I've never really seen like a great like female Frankenstein other than like Bride of Frankenstein which sure. is you know, probably one of the it's probably the best universal monster movie um, sure. but like you know stuff like like Frankenhooker which I was tangentially aware of like I was more of a like I, I've seen like Basket Case but I'd never seen Frankenhooker right and um 
and, and you know, like I knew May kind of had um, some elements of Frankenstein too. Um, but, uh, you know, I thought that there was room for something that was a little bit, you know, less reductive or something. Right. Um, and so I started kind of thinking about like, well, what is really scary about Frankenstein as a monster? Like, is it, you know, is it that like old school Victorian concern of like creating life and like playing God and stuff? Or is it, you know, like, and I started thinking about like, well, it's actually really scary to me that the idea that you would like, you know, that if your body was actually like sewn together from different people and was like just decaying flesh and like, how, how would that feel? Like, you know, nothing fit together or nothing, you know, and, and that kind of gave me the idea of like, well, what if you could actually like share the consciousness from a bunch of different people and like, what would that be? Right. And then, uh, you know, so out of that came, um, this idea for the short film where, um, essentially this, you know, this girl wakes up in like a, you know, kind of undisclosed space and there's like a light over her head and she, you know, stands up and you're getting kind of shots of different things and like, you know, like the feet kind of look different from each other and like the eyes are different colors and the hair is kind of weird. Mm -hmm. And then she, you hear this monologue that sounds like it's coming from one person because it's sort of a stream of consciousness. And then you realize over the course of the monologue that it's like different voices. Right. And then she goes yeah. and looks at herself in the mirror and, and she's got like, you know, um, like the seam running down her face and like, um, you know, long blonde hair on one side and short brown hair on the other side. And I'm really just describing the movie, but the, yeah, um, yeah and, I know. That's okay. she just screams and, um, and then that was it. Like it was just that two minutes and you kind of have the idea of like, Oh, it's a cobbled together to Frankenstein person. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then people kind of like that, like the short and, um, and, and then, uh, so then when Chris came down, uh, to visit, we were like, well, let's just you know, try and tease this out a little bit more. And we knew that we wanted to kind of pull in some of these like reanimator type references, um, and make it like a lighter thing, like the movies we enjoyed, like Evil Dead 2. Um, and so in doing that, we just talked through, you know, the process of, well, you know, like what would this look like and who are these individual women and, you know, how many are there? And, mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, in making them different from each other, we kind of, you know, what was like, well, this one needs to be kind of like this. And they kind of became, you know, like the Ninja Turtles where you kind of like work, um, uh, you know, they each, you know, um, uh, occupy a different part of the Venn diagram of personalities, you know, like, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and they kind of become like archetypes without being stereotypes, you know? Right. And, and we, uh, once we kind of had started having those conversations, it kind of seemed to fall really well. Sure. Um, we could kind of tell, um, you know, we knew like logistically we couldn't do this makeup all day or every day. Because whatever, you know, like if we were going to shoot this movie, it was going to be, you know, we need to maybe keep it like a third of the time, you know, like, mm, and yes. so we kind of around that constraint um, to try and, uh, you know, uh, um, be creative, like turn our, turn our um, uh, restraints into, uh, our constraints into a, uh, into a strength. Sure. And that became, you know, kind of the, um, uh, the order of the day. And, and, you know, essentially, you know, it started to sound like a joke, you know, like these a blonde brunette and a redhead walk into a bar and, and, <laughs> right, and yeah. Frankenstein together, you know, uh, and that kind of became like the whole premise of the movie. And uh -huh. uh, so, so, uh, once we kind of embraced this like nonlinear structure, which is like a, a little bit controversial, like on the page it worked. Um, and I think in the movie it works, but people pointed out as kind of like, Oh, they're trying to do this Tarantino thing. And I'm like, I, I just, you know, you need to get to the monster quick. Like we had half an hour of getting to know these ladies without seeing any horror. Like that would be a big problem. Sure. So, um, and you know, and the cool thing about making a movie on this budget level is you can, um, you know, you can take those sort of risks and I wanted to kind of try and do something that would be challenging sure. because no else, otherwise what's the point. And, um, and then, you know, like, uh, through the, through when we were in pre-production, we, you know, got in touch with Stuart Gordon and, uh, you know, I, I let him know there was a huge fan of his work and he invited us to see the reanimator musical that he was, uh, that was putting up at the time. Oh, and, nice. And he gave us some feedback on the script, and he was just a sweetheart um, throughout. So we give him a bit, big special thanks credit, and yeah. um, 
and uh, there's a couple nods to him in the movie, and uh, yeah, and there's just um, you know, and, and a lot of my friends that I met through film school or, or through kind of work since then, uh, you know, really rallied around the project, and um, and we got to um, you know essentially um, you know uh, get a lot of bang for a buck because people really got the tone of it and had a lot of fun making it. Yeah, and you know, even though we shot for 12 days, like I think we got a lot done, and um, and uh, you know, and that, that's a cool thing. I, that's the thing I really like about horror is that. Um, there's this expectation that on a certain level you're going to, you know, go venture out into the world with your friends and no money and just see how you do it. You know, like, um, you know, your first kind of low budget movie. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it has like a personality that we we're proud of. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Like I said, it's hard to, this, Hey, first up, this is why I love interviews. Cause you get these, these insights that, um, the, the fact that because of, you know, you said time and money that you couldn't show the monster the full time. So you split it and said, okay, we're going to have these you know, actresses split, right? And and do their monologue or their, their dialogues and interact. And so you, the audience could get a sense of each individual person rather than just following the monsters talking to herself with the voices in her head is what I'm getting. Is that what, like, uh, because yeah, of yeah. Yeah, limitations? Exactly. It kind of yeah. became like, uh, you know, it allowed us to get deeper into her point of view. And yeah. Then, you know, and if we grab these two wide shots of her by herself, that doesn't take very much time to shoot. But you can, um, you know, accent it with like the three pages of dialogue we shot, you know, the next day. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, as a like I said, as a um, me personally, I'm a monster horror fan. I love monsters and I love, you know, the gore and everything. But watching this movie, I appreciated so much the 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 effort that the, that the Frankenstein lady was and how she looked and moved. And it was so perfect. But I really, really was looking forward to that three women sitting and talking about themselves to get an understanding of what's going on in their head. And because of her actions and or because of how you wrote her actions in the movie and how she was taking revenge and whatever, it made perfect sense. You know, like this is what the three why, you know, why she was eating all that the same food at the same time, because there's three different, you know, hungers, three different personalities going on and um, getting a sense of each individual person and like i said when you, it's especially when you did the chapters and you did them each individual like this is their story and, and then cutting into like the horror aspect and then this is this person's story um as a horror fan like i said a monster fan i i, I appreciated the drama part of it a lot and it's hard to yeah you know and it's fun it was talking to paul too is like because i love this movie so much it's like i don't know this to me it's just going to be uh, me kissing your ass the whole time because I really like this movie a lot because it's so smart and it's so well written that uh, I just like talking to everybody about it now. I'm like, you got to watch this movie and just, just you know, have fun with it. But it's very smart, yeah. you know. I just wanted to tell you that too. Yeah, I oh, think. Th- oh, go ahead. Uh, oh yeah, no, uh, thanks guys. I mean, I'm glad you're picking up on a lot of the the little um, little pieces we put in there because like, I mean, uh, you know, that's part of the trick of it is we want it to be you know enjoyable on on just like a, you know, kind of a sort of campy schlock level. But, you know, if the, if you are thinking more about it or, or getting, you know, kind of invested in it, that there should be more there to mine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that the, uh, the, the script writing was like great in this movie. Um, did you guys kind of work together to bang out the script or was, you know, one of you kind of handled the script more and one of you handle more of the, the shots and sets or whatever? Uh, how do you guys uh, kind of yeah, pair okay. up with that? Yeah, I mean, we definitely wrote the script together. Um, you know, obviously, like I, I'd made the short film, but um, but then I think in writing it, it like Chris, like I tend to get a little bit dark when kind of left to my own devices. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so uh, Chris ended up, um, you know, I think bringing a lot of the humor to it. And, um, and then as we get closer to production, you know, like, so we, we, even though we wrote this script together, he becomes much more like the writer, like on set. And so like actors will still, you know, approach him for like, you know, mm. questions if they want to run something by them for, whereas like I'm, you know, directing, like actually shooting the movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, uh, you know, dealing with like all that stuff. And so, um, but it's definitely a collaborative thing. I mean, it's not, um, you know, uh, uh, co-directing, but I think, uh, you know, definitely once, um, once the cameras start rolling, Chris slips into a bit of a, a bit of a, um, you know, more support role sure. and kind of becomes, you know, like much more responsible for like the word on the page and, and, and takes a lot of ownership over being the writer, you know? Right. Did you guys have any conflicts, um, being like you wanted, like say you, you tend to dark, uh, write a little more darker and he does more comedy thing. Did you, did you guys have that discussion? Like, no, this movie should go in this direction. Or I know like, uh, eventually you guys compromise and you get what you get on film, but did you have that kind of conflict? Um, yeah, I mean, we have some disagreements, uh, here and there, but, um, I would say, uh, they're pretty few and far between. I would say about mm. once per script, um, we, we kind of get into it, uh, but um, it, it's not like, like this was, um, like we both knew that we wanted to, the goal was to write something that we could make. And right. so um, often like um, compromises are, uh, you know, kind of come. Um, Absolutely. Sure. Um, but, but, you know, um, I think we, we've known each other for a long time and I think uh, we drive pretty well. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and mm-hmm. so it's, um, and, and often the disagreements make things better. So, yeah. um, you know, like it, but generally, you know, like this was actually, as you know, we got off pretty light as collaborations are concerned, you know? Yeah. Oh, cool. No, I, I like the, um, the way that kind of the girls evolve as far as working together to figure out like, okay, you mm-hmm. have this leg and you have this arm and then, you know, you see that yeah. even throughout the movie, she gets better at walking, but it's still, it's still awkward. And <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, yeah. Was that uh Tori slash Jennifer that primarily did the monster body? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's one shot where um, where Tracy gets to be in the stitch makeup. Okay. But um, but uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, Tori had a lot of that physicality. Um, like we we did some a lot of uh, rehearsals and talking kind of up front and and like how would she kind of talk to herself and mm-hmm. and we looked at like you know videos of like schizophrenics kind of talking mm-hmm. themselves and you know and tried to kind of come up with yeah. different ref- references like silent movie stuff and like. Um, you know, different types of like physical comedy and, mm-hmm. and she, you know, really developed that kind of like uneven walk and, and did a lot of like physical work, which I think, um, you know, really, really kind of sells it, you know? Right. Um, and, and yeah. without that charm, like we'd be dead in the water, you know? Oh, so, yeah, oh yeah. She, God, yes. She, yeah, yeah, she yeah. nailed it for sure. Her, um, her, you know, her physical acting as well as, you know, obviously just her, her, her lines and everything, but the, the physical part of just her acting like she didn't know how to walk properly and the, the kind of voracious eating and all that stuff was great. Um, yeah, she had a lot to do and she did, you know, almost all her own stunts and, you know, like it was very, um, you sure. know, she put a lot. Of it. Yeah. No, I, I don't want to like spoil the twist because this is still fairly new and I want people to see it. Um, but do you think that uh, as far as your interpretation of how these three women kind of, you know, gradually they kind of become more vicious and more brutal. Is that sort of just like the combination of, all of their mean streak and all of the shit that they've gone through and all of their pent up kind of fucking bullshit that they had to get out. And, and then on top of that, that there's kind of a little bit of um, a little extra thrown in, inside the uh, DNA pool there too with one of them. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's like, you know, obviously, like spoiler alert, but there's there's like, you know, a more nefarious kind of element at work right. uh, that that they, they start to kind of let, um, you know, even though they're it starts off as kind of like a cathartic, you know, journey, it kind right. of goes overboard really quick as they kind of give into that yeah. sort of blast. And um, yeah, you know, but uh, at the at the end of the day, like, I, I like the idea of, of, you know, um, that there's like a bit of, um, you know, an acceptance of flaws, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That they're uh, they end up kind of you know um, being better together than they are apart, and that's there's something about that that I I really like. Sure, yeah, and they I mean yeah. they escalate mm-hmm. so quickly where they're yeah. like you know just okay we have to go from and you know they start out kind of where they're at odds and they're kind of having fun like the whole they figure out that they can't feel pain and they're gonna smash the their hand <laughs> with a hammer. And then, you know, Jennifer's like, guys, can we stop fucking around and and get back on task here? You know, she's the business one and the other two are kind of goofballs. So, uh, yeah, just the the comedy plays great throughout of their, their working together, which I think, you know, we find in this movie and in the other one that you have done a really good job of getting people, the, the main characters to operate in the same space and really have this great chemistry together. Yeah. And that's, that's one of my main things that I try and work on is, is like, you know, between your, your, your leads, you need to build, take the time and like build those sort of character dynamics and mm-hmm. casting and in rehearsal and just, uh, you know, uh, or, cause that's the main engine that makes your movie enjoyable. Sure. And, um, yeah. So like here it was you know, like, like all the ladies kind of brought such a different energy that, it, um, you know, it was interesting to see them kind of, you know, bounce off each other and come up with ideas and they really took kind of ownership over, over their part in the movie. And, um, and it was, uh, you know, um, very, very rewarding to see that, um, you know, uh, people kind of recognize that chemistry when it worked. Yeah, and sure. uh, and that's a you know a strategy that we kind of carried on to to Tragedy Girls as well, which relies on a very similar sort of vibe. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, you, you, what was the point you just said uh, uh, before that about? Um, it was after Tori. I can't remember. Anyways, uh, I, I was had a comment, but it's gone now. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's all right. I forget what the whole thing I said was too. Uh, but no, it's. I, I think you you do a good job of getting these these kind of characters to work together and then finding the right people. Um, are you kind of hands on with the casting process as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, very hands on. Yeah, I I um um I think you need to you kind of need to be. I mean, sure. Uh, for me, it's like very much building a team and kind of crafting that, like I said, group dynamics. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um so uh you know. Uh, it depends a lot on, on, you know, the type of energy that people are bringing to it. And, and like we actually had, um, Tori cast kind of early and we had two different ladies at one point, um, that were set to play the, the other, um, uh, the other parts. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up, um, uh, pushing and then we had to recast the other two ladies mm-hmm. and, but Tori could still do it. And so it was, uh, it became very, um, different kind of, uh, you know, um, scenario and, and, um, like, um, like the Madeline character um, ended up being uh, kind of the strange one to to cast because it was um, like it, initially it was like there was this earlier draft where she was much more of like a vixen, kind of like super confident and kind of like okay. um, uh, you know not not nearly like as much of like a wallflower. And uh, once we kind of pushed it in more of that kind of like hipster weirdo kind of direction, sure, it right. became a lot more fun and we could lean into the comedy of it. And then once we found. Maria, um, you know, she really brought um, kind of some interesting stuff to it, and and I'd worked with Tracy Faraway before um, on a movie that I'd cut that she was in, um, and I knew that she was going to do great as um, kind of bringing like that an extra level to kind of like the 
sure. blonde and warmly. And, and I think that Ellie, you know, definitely has a lot of the, the heart and uh, whereas Jennifer has kind of the brains and, you know, I think it all kind of works together. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. So how did you guys end up with uh, getting Fred Weasley for the movie? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was, uh, I mean, we, uh, we just essentially made a list of, of people that we thought we might want to do it. Okay. And uh, one of our, um, uh, one of my producers uh, knew James because um, they'd gone to school together at one point. Mm-hmm. And so we, we just reached out to him and he, he was doing, um, you know, some kind of like uh, uh, hosting stuff and like appearances and stuff. And, um, and he, uh, uh, you know, was still acting and, and you know, obviously, and, um, you know, he read the script and he's like, this is crazy. He just happened in town. And so I went for dinner with him and, and I was, you know, kind of gave him the hard pitch and he was like, you know, man, let, let's do it. You know, cause he, he, he hadn't really done like an indie movie like this before. Sure. And then, uh, um, he came out and, you know, had some fun and, um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like he, he came to play and it was, you know, it was a good experience. Yeah. It was funny because, uh, my, my girlfriend is a big Harry Potter fan and, uh, I was, I was watching it the other night and she was, uh, just like doing some stretching and stuff in the living room. And she goes, who is that guy? He looks super familiar. Like, I think he might be on this TV show or something. And, you know, of course, then I got to go to the IMDb and I pull it up and I go, dude, that's fucking Fred Weasley. And she's like, oh, my God, it's Fred Weasley. Like, it was just kind of a, a cool little moment for us there. So, Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that I, I was hoping for that, that those Harry Potter dollars. But, you know, they're, they're forced. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe in a future one, you can get Ron. You know, you keep kind of working your way up the ladder. Yeah. Yeah, just work, work through all the Weasleys. Yeah, the hierarchy right. of Weasley. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I abs- absolutely cracked up and laughed my ass off during the sex scene. That, <laughs> that whole that whole scene was, I laughed my ass off. But uh, and then my my favorite scene also is the frat house uh, rampage when yeah. he puts the headphones in and knocks again, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you follow the the. I, I just it was that was awesome. I mean. Again, I can't stop. Like, I don't. I, I'm gonna watch it again after this recording because <laughs> it was. It was. It really made an impression on me. Right. But um, th- those little things, and then there's a bunch of like little dialogue here and there that I thought I picked up on, and I just laughed about it like later. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I, I like especially that that owl creature, uh, yes. cat owl <laughs> oh, creature, yeah. and then <laughs> one of the voices said, or one of the said, it goes, "Oh, tell me you don't want one" or something like that, and. About ten minutes later, I started laughing <laughs> about it because it, it, there's just like so many things that you want to go back and watch and just like really pay attention to sure. everything that's going on. Man. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you guys are picking up on on those little jokes because like some of the stuff. Yeah. You, it's, it's, it's funny to um, you know lose track of a lot of that stuff. Like you write oh, a lot, sure. you think it's funny, and then and then like you know two years later, someone actually gets to watch the movie and you and you, and you, you see it and, you're, and then. Some things they laugh at, some things they miss. Right. And then you're just right. like, oh, I don't know if anyone's ever like things that I think are hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then things that I don't think are funny, like get huge laughs. And it's like, it's, you know, but then there's like big things like the owl cat, which was funny on the page. And um, right. like, uh, I remember we were, we had the screening in London at Fright Fest and, uh, and no one really knew what the movie was because we just premiered like the week before. And it was, um, and it was just like huge. Like they did, they had no idea what uh, what they were in store for, and and the, the crowd just had a great uh, time with yeah, it. Yeah, right. And uh, the uh, that owl cat, like just that very minimal setup, like you know. And then there's like an hour goes <laughs> by, and then the, then there's the payoff for it. <laughs> I and, know, that's uh, great. And it really, really hit hard. And um and then uh, when I went back with Tragedy Girls back to the UK, uh, there was like this row of people who had all made 
um, you know, uh, release the owl cat shirts. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's oh, great. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I liked one of my favorite little, uh, throwaway kind of lines that was great was the, the Tom Blake part where he's like, uh, two, oh. <laughs> two Tom Blakes, please. And then he's like, oh, they named a drink after me. And yeah, she's like, oh, really? What's your name? Uh, Th- Tom Blake. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, just like deadpan shit like that always kills me. So uh, Yeah, was... yeah. Seth, Seth is, uh, I've worked with him a bunch of times. He's, he's really funny. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I made this, uh, or I produced this movie called Oliver Stoned uh, that he was the main character of. It's like a stoner comedy. Okay. But uh, yeah, he's super funny. Oh, nice. Uh, good. Well, why don't we, uh, why don't we shift into your, uh, I guess a little bit more current movie, uh, <laughs> based on release dates. It's it's uh, right. just recently it, it, released, it, right? So months late, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is Tragedy Girls. Um, so this one I know was based more off of uh, what was it off of a book or some other kind of a script that you guys kind of adapted. Um, it, yeah, so it, it wasn't based off a book. It was based off an original. Uh, so um, uh, uh, a gentleman named uh, or named Justin Olson had written a script called tragedy girls okay. which was a very traditional like slasher film okay and um and so then uh uh this company called the comeback kids had optioned it and then um they were trying to put it together but it was it, you know there wasn't a ton of interest so they wanted somebody to like thresh freshen it up a little bit and so then chris and i kind of reconcepted it and did what's called like a page one rewrite um, okay. where you essentially just um like they just wanted to keep the title and then we sort of rewrote um mm. like a you know female driven slasher movie okay um but uh but like you know uh but uh almost nothing r- remains from the original draft like the like it, it was um more of a whodunit kind of thing um and uh the main conceit of it is is, is quite different sure now um obviously with the the first two feature length movies you have here as uh you know, having female leads in both of them, is that something that kind of interests you or is that um, just kind of a coincidence that it came about that way? Or do you, you know, do you have kind of a, a strong point of view on, you know, supporting women and, and you know, I guess feminism and, and things like that was really like sort of an advocacy thing for you? Uh, I mean, no, I mean, not, not specifically. I mean, like I, I definitely, I just gravitate towards like interesting characters and sure. Um, you know, uh, like, uh, like with patchwork, it made a lot more sense because, you know, once the themes of the, uh, you know, the, even the short were starting to become apparent, it was much more about like body image and like, you know, like, like, right. and I think is very, a very different experience for women and, and men, right. um, especially in America. Sure, and so, sure. it, you know, like it just felt kind of like a natural fit. And mm-hmm. then, um, and, tra- and tragedy girls like, um, also became a bit about like, um, like slasher movies have a very complicated history with um, women right. uh, and gender in general, yeah. and so like you know, there's this whole like final girl phenomenon about like you know, um, they're somehow like empowering you know um, women, but there's also this like very objective, uh, this very intense like objectification that happens and the sexualization. Right. Mm-hmm. So through, through empowerment, you have to subject them. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah. So it's it's a very um, complicated relationship, and we wanted to do something that essentially took. Um, you know, uh, like these female characters that we were interested in and in no way made them victims. Like they know the girls don't, uh, you know, there's only one scream coming from them the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, um, a, um, and that's like acting, <laughs> like, right. like, like, like they're playing a parody of what, of what a different character would actually do. And so, right. um, it's, uh, and so I didn't want it, you know, like I wanted them to be like in no way victims and wanted to create, uh, if possible, like, you know, kind of an iconic, like satisfying slasher character 
that, that that's female, and, and there are a couple out there, you know, like like American Mary with the the Soska's um, made, like I think it's great. Um, yeah. but, uh, like uh, you know, I, I thought that we could you know um, make sort of a pair that would be um, you know every bit as strong and interesting um, as as you know our our you know uh, guy uh, go to guy slashers, and. Uh, you know, so extending that that idea um, kind of through, we want we knew that like the real power of making like uh, any character in a movie um, comes from like putting the movie in their perspective, and so by you know um, uh, you know embracing that they're the fact that they're teenage girls and they and they might see the world a, little, a certain way and then bending the rest of the world to fit that uh, gives gives them a lot of gravitas and, and gives them like their due, and it, and and then it becomes like wholeheartedly their film, you know. Um, and so like even, um, you know, like the way that they view all the other characters is always from their perspective. And I think that's the the best way to, to make the movie wholly about them. And um, uh, whereas I think uh, sometimes there's this kind of like, well, we, you know, we've created a strong female character and then they're, they're still objectified in like the same way that they would have been anyway. And they're making um, or they're just like, you know, um, written and they talk like a, a band and they do things that are very um, stereotypically manly but since they're a woman then it's somehow more feminist or something whereas i wanted them like to be successful on their own terms mm -hmm. and um so like uh you know I, like like and we started researching like female serial killers and like the most prolific ones are like nurses and there's a lot of like poisonings and right, things right. like that um and it's a very male thing to want to like physically overpower somebody sure um right. so that's why a lot of their like they do their fair term of their fair um share of like stabbing but it's a lot more like outsmarting and yes. a lot more like um you know uh, uh leading somebody into a trap um uh sure, that, sure. that i think you know um and they're using kind of more the um their attributes that, that i think is is uh, you know an interesting area um and it created some you know kind of fun obstacles for creating drama and um finding different ways to kind of um, make the narrative interesting yeah, um yeah. but that was where our, our mind was at you know it wasn't i don't think it was you know like this is we we wrote this back in 2015 when slashers were not really being made and long before you sure. know Me Too or whatever. But uh, sure, but sure. it's uh, um, it's uh, you know I'm 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 glad that um, people are you know pick, picking up that that element of it for sure. Well, yeah. sure, yeah, and you also did a good job of not making the characters use their sexuality to lure in their victims and have that whole you know dress up and and uh, the like you said the stereotypical like in the if this was made in the 80s I'm sure that you know, they'd be, you know, uh, dressed different and like I said, you know, using their sexuality to, to lure their victims in and, and all that stuff. So you didn't do it that way. You really, from what, for one thing you did is you made a very high school movie, which is great because a lot of, uh, uh people, when you watch movies, you go into, um, you, you don't buy into like, these are high school students and the, and mm -hmm. their problems, like they're on the prom committee. You know what I mean? Like these are, these are their problems that are into adulthood problems yet. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was cool too. And they, and they, you know, obviously they wanted to be famous and, and, uh, they're very sadistic <laughs> and using today's, you know, um, what, what's going on in today's world or just a, a growing up it was almost like a coming of age movie too, in the horror genre. So that was cool. Um, yeah, definitely. There's a lot of DNA of like high school movie stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, like, and that's, and I've always wanted to make a high school movie. I've always wanted to shoot a prom scene. Like that was the most fun on set. Sure. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, and that's definitely like what you mentioned earlier, but like, uh, you know, the, the, their, uh, the costume design and stuff like that, like that's something that, that Dakota, our costume designer, and as well as like Brianna and Alex who played the girls, um, uh, 
like that's something that we talked a lot about was mm-hmm. like you know like um like these girls are not wearing booty shorts tube tops like this is not right, that. right. like they need to be confident and they need to be attractive and they need to be uh, on their own terms like it, it needs to be like for uh, you know like uh you know it needs to be uh, uh you know it, it's it's not a it's not serving that same purpose like it's like like you know these these um Girls need to look hot to themselves when they look in the mirror in the morning as characters, not sure. uh, Correct. not to us as uh, you know, like you know, male audience members. Like that's not the, the right, the, right. You know? And so once we kind of um, all got on the same page about that, then it, then it became you know very apparent. Um, and uh, and uh, you know once we kind of got everyone pushing the same direction, then um, and out of that like you know traditional kind of stereotypical horror movie headspace, it became a lot easier to kind of figure out what our slasher movie was. Yeah, and right. they, they even kind of have the opposite effect where at one point, uh, you know, Michaela has sort of a weakness for her ex-boyfriend and that almost becomes a, a hindrance on them where it's kind of a reverse sexuality thing where, you know, in, in a more traditional sense, it would have been that she would have used her attractiveness to kind of create right. weakness with somebody else. And I, I think you kind of flirt with that, but it's not... It's not the overlying theme of of their successfulness for sure. It's more about their smarts and their cunning and their their you know sociopath nature to be able to flip characters and compartmentalize everything, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is really well done. Um, yeah, I, and, that, and that's and that's interesting. I mean, like like I really liked um, what Josh did with that because you know we knew we didn't sure. want it to have that kind of you know like teen heartthrob you know like uh, cover of Tiger Beat sort of vibe to him, right? You know? Right. And you know, yeah. and he was, you know, obviously the the lead lead of the Hunger Games, and um, and you know, kind of brought a bit of that crowd with him, mm-hmm. and he and he just thought it was you know of such a fun um, you know way to sort of play with the audience expectation that that sure. he has kind of going into a thing, and I mean, and Josh is a really funny guy, and he doesn't get enough credit for that. I mean, now that yeah. Future Man's up there, maybe he he should get a little bit more because he's uh, definitely hilarious in that. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was good to kind of. Uh, get to work with these people and and um you know I, I think a lot of our actors like especially tuned into the the tone of it and really kind of helped us take things to the next level yeah did you end up hooking up with him because i i ended up seeing that he was from kentucky and then you guys obviously i, I had heard that you shot the movie in kentucky was it sort of an organic thing or did you reach out to him as far uh, as doing yeah, a little cameo I mean, he um, like he uh, is good friends with one of our producers, and, um, okay. and so I played poker with him, and um, and we just you know he read the script and we went to lunch, and and you know we also were shooting in Kentucky anyway, so he could kind of turn that into like a sort of family trip as well, and um, you know I think at the time he was also looking for you know kind of uh, parts that were a little um, offbeat, um, you know, and so uh, it just it just you know the stars aligned, and um, I think uh, everyone had a good time, and sure. I think it definitely helped us out a lot. And obviously a lot less work than doing a, a full feature movie or something where he's got to be on set for months or whatever at a time. Yeah, like, exactly. Just, just get a couple of days. And... Show up and do a little bit of fun stuff and mess around, get some get some stab wounds and whatever. I know I I, always, <laughs> yeah. I crack up at the, the scene after he dies and then Michaela's kissing him and then she comes over and she's like, what? I was just making sure he was dead. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Jeez. Uh, I know. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Um, but... Uh, now, with the, the two girls, um, obviously, it helps that they sort of brought a little bit of notoriety into the movie as far as getting some attention on it. But I feel like they couldn't be better as far as like the, the parts that they're supposed to play and their chemistry together and the way that they respond. Uh, it feels very natural. Yeah. And it's it's almost like you can kind of tell that they're they're professionals that have kind of a a very bright future ahead of them because they're just so perfect in that. And then even, 
you know, the, the little bit that I've seen of them and other things, they've been great too. So, yeah, I mean, they're both, they both work hard and they're super talented and we were, we were, you know, lucky to get them at that, at that point, you know, um, you know, and they both shot like, um, like Brianna had just shot Deadpool and Alex had shot, um, X-Men. So like, mm-hmm. you know, they'd already kind of gotten, you know, what would become their huge breaks. But, um, so, but they, they really, I think liked that the, that the script was something that they could take a lot of ownership over, you sure. know, in terms of like, and they brought a lot to the table and like, we sort of kind of wrote a little bit to their sensibilities and in, in our, in our kind of polishes. Right. Um, and, uh, they've definitely brought a lot of ideas to the table in the, in the, uh, rehearsal. And, um, and once we kind of, you know, figured out the chemistry between them, they, they worked hard. Um, you know, they were already, they were already, uh, you know, kind of friends to begin with, but they like lived together and, and, um, you know, rehearsed together and, um, and, uh, you know, I, I think committed in a, in a way that you, um, that's, um, Sure. You know, uh, quite indicative of, of I think the long term stuff that'll make them both pretty successful in what they're doing. I mean, we're you know I think we're lucky. I mean, they're both you know movie stars. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, they they do great. They kill it. I mean, the girls in the first movie kill it. I think you have definitely been able to kind of pluck out the uh, the right people to fit the characters that you are creating, uh, which is I'm I'm sure much more of a skill than it than a, a luck thing, right? So. Oh, well, I, mean, I, <laughs> well, I, I think I'm pretty lucky too. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, no, you're, I, you're right. When luck is definitely plays into, it, but I think it is a, you know, you're writing these scripts too. And you have a very, you know, closer, it's closer to your heart because you know, you said they're, they're independent films and everything. So you got, yeah, you actually have to really uh, fight hard to get the right vision, but also I think it benefits to, you know, benefits somewhat being in, you know, small productions that you don't have a, you know, whole casting agency that's pushing, ca- you know, actor and actors on you that, you know, you makes you make the wrong choices. So, uh, sure. you know, it, within that, like I said, uh, we we do a lot of uh, reviews of uh, like small production independent movies, which in no way does this seem like one. Um, but it, it's there's a lot of benefits to it. Mm-hmm. And do you agree with that? Like, if you were handed like you know a blank check to go take out a movie as far as far as like getting it produced and stuff. Do you think you can? It can be a hindrance too, because now you have so many more people putting their two cents in, and so many more people trying to influence. You know, like I said, pushing certain characters or certain actors and actresses that you might not necessarily want. Is that a problem? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, like it was not really a problem on Patchwork um, because right. um, you know, like it was a small production. Um, but Tragedy Girls had a lot more people, like a lot more cooks in the kitchen. Like, sure. um, the, like there's, I think, 24 producers credited on this movie. Like, it's a lot sure, of people. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it, it became kind of early. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm on the phone with eight people, you know, and it sounds like <laughs> I'm really the voice of the minority, even though, like, I shouldn't, like, you know, regardless of what we decide, I have to go make it work, you know, like, yes. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a, um, but, but, um, I would say, like, you know, when push comes to shove, um, uh, like our EP and, 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 and our key producers were like pretty supportive of me. And if there was something I, like, I, I didn't really get pushed into doing anything that I was wholesale uncomfortable with. Right. And, um, but it was definitely a collaborative thing, you know, trying to find names that would work for everybody that we could, you know, uh, support the financing with. And, um, you know, so it's, it, it wasn't as, um, freewheeling as, uh, as Patrick was when we could, you know, right. really just, like, I mean, I you know, could just cast my friends and people I thought who could, who would kill it. Yeah. Um, right. it was, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, it was a bit more of a gradual process and, um, you know, and you're dealing with bigger chunks of, of change. Um, so, um, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, but overall, like I, I, um, I'm happy. Um, and I become quite, um, 
uh, invested in like the process. Like once once somebody is cast, then it becomes like us creating a part together. Okay, and that's, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, like and that's like where I kind of like. So I, I don't tend to sulk much, you know, if I don't get the the person I really hundred percent like. Right, much. And it becomes much more about yeah, it, yeah. It becomes much more about like you know, much, um, but it becomes more about like building it together and then. Oh, of course. Of yeah, course. and uh, and that's uh, you know really. Um, where you realize um, if it's going to work or not, you know? Yeah. Sure, sure. I think uh, one thing that was really cool that you did, especially with Tragedy Girls, um, is kind of like borrowing from uh, the idea that is in a lot of like Marvel movies and stuff where you put a ton of Easter eggs in the movies, uh, kind of, you know, winks at the genre mm -hmm. or, or tribute scenes or tribute kills and stuff. Um, and, you know, a lot of them are kind of more in your face, like the uh, the cannibal holocaust impaling scene or, uh, you know, those kind of things. But is there is there a particular one that you think maybe might be a little bit so hidden that uh, people don't necessarily might not catch necessarily or, or is not quite in your face? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's all sorts of stuff that's like, you know, like informed one way or another, um, you know, like we have a bunch of Mondo posters kind of in the background and stuff like that, that okay. are like, you know, not tough to I see. I recognize that cause I'm a huge Mondo fan. Okay. Mondo oh. tees a huge. So yeah, I recognize those instantly. Yeah. And there's, um, so like th those are super fun. Um, and some of the ones are like, you know, not even ones that I, uh, you know, like, like, I, like there's a lot of cool production design ones, like my personal right. favorites. Like, you know, there's like a, like, there's like a, like Sadie has this picture of Jeffrey Dahmer in her locker. That's like, you know, <laughs> like, like right. he's there, like, like he's like a poster boy from a magazine. Or <laughs> and it's, that's really funny to me. Um, yeah. but, uh, uh, but like, you know, um, you know, we have a pretty direct reference to martyrs, which I think is, um, you know, a, a masterpiece and, yeah. and obviously Holocaust. And like, part of it is, you know, to, tr to show people that, you know, who are horror fans that we are also horror fans, but sure. right. People, like my goal was to make this movie a bit more of a gateway horror movie. Okay. And so, you know, if you, if you look up these references, like, you know, it's a bit of a roadmap for like, you know, um, check things to check out if you're just getting into the genre mm -hmm. and, and that's, you know, really the purpose of it. Um, but like, uh, you know, like my, my favorite one that I think people are never going to pick up is, um, you know, that, um, there's that scene where, uh, there's uh, Sylvia, um, has this little, uh, like lending library house that she's built. It's kind of like a dollhouse. Yes. Um, and, uh, and so they, uh, and, and you, you get a couple shots of it in the movie, but it's, it's essentially like a replica of the Halloween house, like the house from the beginning uh, of Halloween. Okay. <laughs> and, uh -huh. you know, the, that's like the, the Myers house. house. Nice. Yeah. But, but like I, I, uh, you know, I, I needed to be white so that we could splatter with blood. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's great. Right. Yeah. I didn't notice it as, as closely, but yeah, you just kind of see it quickly a few times. And then, you know, you're so engaged in what's happening at that time. Cause there's a lot of kind of intense dialogue there. So yeah. Again, and that's, and that's just the work of our, like, you know, our, our production designer Mars, who's, who's brilliant. Sure. Sure. Yeah. There's so many little things in there like that. And just, you know, name drops, um, even the girls last names are obviously, uh, inspired yeah. by, so yeah, Sean Cunningham and Toby Hooper. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. No, I think it's a, a great movie. I hope that a lot of people um, kind of jump on and check it out. Um, one thing that I, I heard a friend of ours um, is uh, they have a podcast called Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, and they had just recently reviewed Tragedy Girls. And one thing they pointed out that I thought since I had you, I would I would actually get an answer. Um, so the scene when uh, they, they have Lowell you know, locked up and they have the, uh, the live video feed where they're watching him, 
and they check in on him at one point. I think they're in like a coffee shop or something. Yeah. And there's little like smiley faces and hearts and stuff kind of going across the screen as you would see, like say a Facebook live video and people were liking the video. But um, was was that supposed to be something where it was actually streaming to the public or was that? Um, yeah, like uh, that's a bit of a leftover joke. Like uh, originally it was supposed to be um, like uh, that they had actually just put it up on um, – on uh, like Periscope, but then okay. Periscope got, got like defunct between the time we wrote the script and shot the movie. And oh, okay. it was so, so we ended up, um, you know, kind of switching it to more of like a Facebook live interface, but then we were sure. like, well, then whose Facebook account is this and who's watching this? You know, um, uh, you know, cause like with something like Periscope, it could be a, bit, a lot more anonymous. Whereas this is like, um, you know, in theory, I just, um, it kind of supports the, um, like our thinking of it was literally just a kind of more of a throwaway joke. Because especially in like an early draft of like an earlier draft of the script, we had a lot more very direct uh, things where like people were very blind to what the girls were doing. Right. You know, like it was more obvious that they were the ones who were murdering everybody. And then we stripped right. that stuff back a little bit, um, and so it's still a very heavy satire, obviously. Sure. Um, and and the, like the police are not nearly as savvy as real police would be, and they're not nearly as thorough with forensics and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like. Um, but we still wanted like an element of, of like obliviousness to it. And like, um, you know, the key uh, point would be like Michaela's parents, you know, being mm-hmm. like, Oh, we good. You know, like really just not understanding, um, and, and not being willing to understand or not seeing these girls as what they are. Sure. And, um, that was just another uh, example of, of, yeah, like, like it's kind of an insight. Well, a joke that yes, that would be live streaming somewhere to the public that someone could in theory watch, and these girls wouldn't think twice about it because people would see it out of context and not know what to do with it because they don't know who this guy is. They don't sure, know. yeah, yeah, because they were the ones that figured out who the killer was. Yeah, anyway, so. and even though that requires like a suspension of disbelief that you know isn't necessary to to, to the movie, um, right. you know, uh, it's I mean, to be honest, like it's 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 just meant to be a joke that that they would be cocky and brazen enough right. to actually push it out to the public. Um, but uh, you know, uh, it's uh, that's. Uh, I, I, I that's my only response. Yeah. Sorry, I don't think a little bit more. <laughs> no, I think well, I think that answers it. Um, it was one of those things where uh, they're a little bit more analytical about breaking it down, and I think one of the things that's kind of uh, also brilliant about the type of movies that you're doing here is you can kind of dabble in that suspension of disbelief a lot heavier because there is such a comedy element to these movies, where if you're trying to make a very serious movie or or airing more towards the serious side you can't really fuck around with that so much and unless you're going like full-on suspension of disbelief where there's you know monsters or supernatural shit or you know whatever that kind of stuff but yeah they were kind of breaking it down and they just they just brought that up as like that was like the one question that i had and i thought since i heard them do that then i know you know now they'll actually get their answer so <laughs> yeah, and that's an interesting point. I mean, uh, just because, like, I remember when I was prepping Patchwork, I called a friend of mine who's a doctor. Okay. And uh, he, he, at the time, was, like, dealing with, like, trauma stuff. And, and, you know, like, he knew more about, like, musculature and, like, stuff like that. And I was like, so if you actually, like, sewed somebody together, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I was trying to, like, get him to answer these very medical questions. Sure. Um, so that I could make it more accurate. And then he's like... Well, I mean, given the massive tissue loss and the fact that this is fucking impossible, uh, you know, like, like, <laughs> and that I, made the dialogue, yeah, it, <laughs> like you know, it kind of like it, it grown to help, and I ended, I ended up making a line in the movie because I right. was just, like, yeah, but like, like it's you can't not like separate like if there's anything <laughs> vaguely 
sci-fi, you kind of got to let it go. Like, sure. Like, you know, there's no way to, um, you know, th- uh, like there's not a lot of room to think about a, this sort of movie on that level. Like, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as you're like, Oh, that's Fred Weasley, not, you know, this, this character, <laughs> yeah. then, you know, it's game over, you know? So, um, I just kind of have to assume that you're going to go on the trip and, and if, and if you, and if you don't want to, then, you know, that's, you know, that's up to you. You don't like, um, but sure, uh, sure. Those are, um, but you know, I, I, I do try and not uh, push it too far to, you know, tempt people unnecessarily, but then things like, you know, the Facebook live, I'm sure could bump for people, uh, uh, you know, um, if they're, if they're a little bit more, um, right. Detail oriented. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit more, um, kind of rap brained when I watch things like that myself where I don't pick up on it until maybe two or three times after I see it or something, or if I hear someone point it out and then I go, Oh yeah, that is kind of a, but you know, I'm, I'm more of a, along for the ride type of viewer. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, before we, uh, I, I think, uh, I know I don't want to take up too much of your time. So, uh, I don't know if, uh, maybe we'll, uh, throw one or two more things here and then we can just kind of talk about if you have anything else coming up and plug whatever your social media and, and all that stuff. Um, the one thing that I wanted to ask, which you, you may not know very much about, the uh, distribution stuff but there doesn't seem to be uh, a good stream of uh, as far as like uh, a blu-ray release or anything for these movies do you know anything about if that's in the in the works or in the plans as far as physical media for these two or are they going to just kind of live in the digital space um well they, they're both definitely on vod but um uh, so that's the best way to see both in hd mm. but there are there is a um, blu-ray of tragedy girls available on amazon okay. um and and that has like an audio commentary on it and things like that. Um, but uh, the um, uh, patchwork uh, does not currently have plans for VOD or sorry, for a Blu-ray release. Sure. And we're uh, uh, I've been uh, trying to pressure our distributor into um, uh, thinking about it, but I- I'm really hoping something like um, you know Scream Factor or somebody kind of circles back with us for maybe doing like a more special edition in a couple of years if we you know people sure, keep sure. Uh, making the movie. Yeah. Um, um, we do we do have like an audio commentary for the movie or for both movies um, that's available on their physical media and nice. uh, you know um, and uh, we're working on some behind the scenes stuff for patchwork and and stuff because we do have some good material for that um, you know just trying to um, you know get the stuff out there it's just uh, you don't always get the chance to do it the first time out sure and then... and, I ho- and I hope that uh, oh, it actually does oh, I'm sorry I, I just uh, to kind of tell off that mm-hmm. is that I hope that. Because there's that material, the behind the scenes and the commentary and stuff, I hope that that medium never goes away, which mm. it looks like it is. I mean, there, you've got now chain stores and stuff, not really, you know, like I said, Best Buy is getting rid of DVDs now, right? So, sure. but they never, but they didn't mention Blu-ray. But anyway, I, I just hope that that physical uh, copy or that physical stuff that people can collect and watch and right. extra stuff never goes away because I think, you know, to true fans or people that are, that are really fans of the genre really are going to miss out if it doesn't come to in their home, you know, to fruition like that. So especially horror fans are, are big on physical collection and extras mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's really big in, in this particular genre. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, the one other thing that I was going to ask was, was there something that maybe, maybe didn't make the movie, uh, um, like something that was maybe a little bit too brutal or a little too over the top that you guys had left out? Or was there, if not, maybe a particular kill that you had wanted to execute, but either was just too complicated or maybe a little bit too extreme, anything like that, that maybe didn't quite make the final cut, but uh, more because it was uh, too much, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, not that not that we shot. I mean, uh, for for uh, patchwork, we had uh, like like that frat fight scene was actually a pickup. Like we'd shot the whole movie and then went back and shot that just by itself. Okay. Um, because it was because uh, we originally had to cut it because of budgetary reasons, and then um, but then once the movie sort of uh, turned out to be pretty fun and the audiences were responding to it, we went back and shot that and then and you know put it in the final cut of the movie. Okay. Um, so so uh, with Patrick, I fortunately got to go back and do that. Um, whereas Tragedy Girls, like I, I, they never really forced me to cut anything for um, for brutality reasons. I had this um, one set piece that uh, was like in a pool, like um, and where someone gets like essentially boiled to death in like a hot tub okay. you know, kind of, oh, which nice. was kind of like, like trapped under like this kind of cage um and it was just a little complicated um so we ended up replacing it with the uh, final destination set piece um oh, okay. which i think played uh, better so um you know i mean to be honest i don't really have any uh, regrets for that stuff but um, i'm constantly coming up with kill ideas and things like that right, to, right. sure to do for the projects no that's great uh do you have any final any, uh, questions or anything marco uh, um I did, but then we, I didn't want to give away endings. It's like, but, uh, well, I guess I can ask it. it, it people can leave it up to the imagination for at least Tragedy Girls. Um, we'll just give a, did you ha- we'll, we'll give a, a, a spoiler alert that if you, if you haven't seen it, then skip ahead a couple minutes. So. Sure. sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just wondering, cause I mean, we, we, when we did the review, we actually did talk about this and I, and I understand it's too soon maybe to even think about it, but, uh, the girls go off to college. Is there going to be a sequel in your head? Or is it maybe on paper? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit. Um, you know, uh, like I don't own enough of the movie to really decide whether that's happening. Mm, okay. Um, so, uh, but, uh, you know, like, I mean, I, I think we're, I'm definitely open to it, you know, um, and, and it was designed to be open-ended. And I do think that, you know, right. like it should continue, you know? Excellent. Right. right. Like I said, it, it might live in your head um, for now. Like you have an idea of all the stuff that's going to go on, but yeah, you're yeah. right. You may, yeah, I, I, definitely, sure. I definitely have uh, ideas of how how it's going to go. Yes. Yeah, okay. So, sometimes there are really great uh, slasher movies that have that sort of open ending where they leave it that there could be a sequel, but then they never do it, which almost makes the legacy better. Which, uh, like, My Bloody Valentine is the one that always comes to mind, where they leave it sort mm-hmm. of open ended and the guy gets away at the end. Spoiler alert on a movie from '81. <laughs> but uh uh, yeah stuff like that you know if if it never does then it just kind of becomes that epic ending you know there you go and my personal like i said this is me this is me my personal opinion is that i really like open-ended movies and i like how it it kind of left that open if you ever need to see a sequel to that movie i just wanted to know if that's something that you had thought about uh beyond the script that you just wrote um, yeah, no, definitely. Um, we, we have, um, uh, we started to talk about it, but, um, it's, uh, um, you know, like the, the, there's a bit of a debate whether or not we're going to try and do a series, like a TV series. Um, right. so, so we're, we're um, yeah, like, those things are kind of like up in the air and hopefully, um, sure. comes to fruition. Cool. Cool. Uh, so as far as uh, the future goes beyond the tragedy girls, um, do you have anything that is immediately in production that we can talk about or is everything kind of all in pre-production phases or yeah it's it's a we have a, a movie in development uh, right now with sony okay. um uh it's uh, uh kind of a home invasion movie with a kid oh, um nice. and uh and so it's uh the, the temp title was nightlight um okay. and so uh we're we're working on that with them and and, and everyone seems pretty excited about the script so hopefully we'll be uh, um, we're hoping to um you know uh, start uh, a pre-production on that soon and 
um, yeah, that's looking like it's going to be our next thing. And um, I've got some other kind of more indie projects um, in the works as well in case uh, anything um, is stalled and, you know, just trying to stay busy. Yeah. Are you yeah, are you trying to stay uh, within horror? Obviously, this, this one sounds like it's kind of in that horror genre. Are you trying to stay within kind of the horror? Or are you going to try and go outside the lines a little bit? Yeah, I mean, uh, some of our projects are comedy and stuff like that. We have some mystery stuff too. Like, like sure. I definitely like. Um, uh, we're definitely uh, staying within genre in general, okay. not necessarily horror specifically, but but yeah, I mean, um, I definitely. Uh, um, we'll, we'll, the next couple of things should be pretty close to home. Next, nice, uh, cool. good. Well, we look forward to that. Um, well, where can uh, everybody keep up with you and uh, you know get your movies and stuff? And I will add, uh, I'll add links as far as uh, connecting to the movie and to you to the podcast description as well. But if you want to put awesome. all yeah. the stuff out there, yeah, I would say add add me on Twitter at tmacfilm, uh, and uh, you can check out Tragedy Girls um, on iTunes or any VOD platform, or order the Blu-ray off um, Amazon, or uh, you can order uh, the Patchwork DVD off Amazon, or check it out on iTunes or, or any VOD platform or Netflix. Um, it's on, it's on Netflix streaming right now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, please check out the movies, tell your friends and, you know, um, um, reach out to me on Twitter. If you guys, uh, let me know what you think, you know, or, or give me notes, you know, whatever your, uh, gripes are, I'd like to uh, hear about them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't want to invite too yeah, much of that. Yeah. Maybe, you know, just kind of skip, <laughs> right. just kind of skim it a little bit. Sometimes people, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I, I get emails from my mother with the reviews and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Great. And, well, uh, I mean, honestly, you, you know, like I, you definitely made me a fan of your work and again, I, I will be watching very closely on oh, yeah, what yeah. you do and what you come up with. So, absolutely. um, yeah. Cool. Well, I, yeah, thanks I so much guys. talking uh, to you. Yeah. If anything yeah. comes up for sure, let us know. And, uh, and we will, uh, We'll be sure to make sure that, you know that the word gets spread as much as we can. So, yeah. awesome! Thanks so much. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. All right, great. Thanks for your time. fun um once again um we want to thank tyler for giving us his time and uh just giving us some insight on these two movies and i know um you know you and i had kind of talked on the side and both 
really liked the two of these movies, and I don't mm -hmm. know if you had sort of thought about which one you liked better than the other, or, or where you kind of landed and on the two of those. I think that um, because I just watched Patchwork, I'm very, I'm just like sub obsessed with it right now. Sure. Uh, it, because because the movie again was so brilliant to me and so smart and witty at the same time, well written, well directed, and well acted. Right. That I, I actually I do like Patchwork because that's more of my type type of movie anyway, where you have like a monster, you know, sure. uh, manifesting and doing that stuff. But again, that that comedy element was just so spot on. Yeah. Um, you know, of course we I saw we saw Tragedy Girls when we did like a small review of that first, and that was like that. You know, you can tell you could tell the progression of the two as far as like the the color palettes, right, and the um, the directional like the um, different camera work and whatnot that sure. I did see a progression of the two movies and uh, but if I had to choose like a, right now it's like as far as what I enjoyed better I I enjoyed Patchwork a lot better than Tragedy Girls but I mean Tragedy Girls is great also sure and it's two different genres it's two different genres in the horror thing too yeah I I'm kind of with you uh, not so much that one is newer than the other mm -hmm. um, I just uh, I think that the comedy was so strong in Patchwork that um, yeah, I, I think just the the enjoyment factor. I ended up laughing a lot at that one, and I feel like that one <laughs> right. has um, it has a lot of rewatchability. So I know that you know Tragedy Girls is kind of the the darling right now, and everyone knows that, and it's got the X, oh, sure. the X Men girls in it and stuff. So it's kind of this big thing right now. But if uh, if people really like that, I suggest they check out his other one too, and uh, just yeah. kind of get a feel for that. I mean, I I would say I rate both of them about the same, but um, if I'm mm -hmm. stuck on a desert island, then I'm probably going to bring Patchwork with me over Tragedy Girls. So, but either way, yeah. I, I rate both of them at like an eight and a half, which is still stellar. So, oh yeah, um, yeah, that's that exactly. Like I said, it's um, I think I can sit down to both those movies and have just just a good time with it and entertainment. And I and I know that is the the end result of it. Like uh, like we mentioned in the interview, where it was to me, it was more. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you walk out of a movie or you know get up from a movie and say, "Wow, that was psychologically scary," and now I'm afraid to go to the bathroom because it's dark. Because <laughs> it's dark, right, right? Right. And then there's that enjoyable horror where that you just start talking about it and even like suggesting it to people. Mm -hmm. And like, like the past couple of days, I've been just like on a on a patchwork kick. Sure. You know what sure. I mean? And um, I, I'm going to watch it again and again. And that's and that's this thing I'm looking forward to watching it. So. Yeah, they both rate about the same, but again, it, it is like two different things too. So oh, yeah, it's yeah. not like uh, he made two different monster movies, and now I have to compare the two. So right, uh, but yeah, as he had said, they're available on the two. Uh, the the one, the one thing the Blu-ray that he said, uh, I just tell people to be careful because it's um, it's not like a a, a full on uh, distribution release. It's it's something where they print it as you order it, kind of thing. And it's it says like oh, okay. a, it says a note on Amazon that um, the uh, the I don't know the recordable disc or whatever they use might not play on some player. So just kind of be aware of that before you get it. If it's uh, it said like it doesn't work on Xbox One and some other things, but um, either way, it's something that okay. I definitely would encourage people to at least rent and check it out. Yes, uh, if they want to wait for it or if they want to. Uh, if they want to buy the copy, if they have the thing that actually will play those, then that's awesome. 
Yeah. But uh, we'll just kind of sit and wait and hopefully, you know, they get like the uh, Scream Factory treatment or something down the road, which would be awesome. Right. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, why don't uh, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you at here, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll just kind of plug our our shows here and and uh, okay. As far as the schedule of what we have coming out, um, it's kind of a little bit jumbled up here because we're doing these things out of order when the opportunity comes up for them. But uh, yeah, basically, yeah. you know when this it, will be out, so you can kind of base it off of yeah. that. <laughs> and and let us know too if you're. Um, you know, obviously you're listening, but, uh, you know, to get us to when, uh, when Paul does our plugs, let us know if you like doing more of the, uh, us doing more of the interviews, um, you know, putting out because we, I love the fact that we're actually getting some insights on certain production, maybe not, you know, like, like, uh, um, from, from the ground up, but it's still small little tidbits that I just happen to enjoy tremendously. Mm -hmm listening Absolutely. to and especially from the yeah especially from the creators that you can actually take back and when you rewatch you can you can pick up these things and uh and get a sense of what what the movie was meant to do or or how they wrote it and stuff so i mean we're having a blast doing it so i'm hoping that everybody's you know well i obviously you should it's it's it is you know the genre you're in and uh you're into so yeah um, i'm yeah. looking forward to doing more so so yeah so um you can you can uh i I'm going to try to get more active as far as like in the Google survive Facebook and stuff. I, I am a lurker, so don't, I, I do look at everything. Sure. So I just don't get a chance to respond to a lot of things, but, uh, um, I also do, uh, I also run a star Wars podcast, uh, called Sarlacc digest. That's S A R L A C C. And you can find us on our Instagram, our Facebook. And if you want to message me and tell me how I'm saying, um, a lot, that's cool too. <laughs> and tell me how, you know, if you have a Star Wars theory that uh, blows mine away, I want to hear it. So um, <laughs> right. definitely keep uh, keep up with me there. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Sure. And uh, you can find all of my shows on the Who Will Survive, uh, you know, iTunes and Stitcher feed. Um, and then I also have, when this comes out, it will have already released a uh, guest spot on uh, Cinema PsyOps. So I yes. encourage you guys to check that show out. And give that a listen because uh, it's it's a unique way that the show is recorded and done. So I'm very interested to see how it all gets kind of pieced together after the fact. There's a lot of editing and, and work and kind of love that goes into that show. So yeah, I encourage you guys to check that out. It's uh, Cinema PsyOps, also on the Legion Podcast Network that we are also a member of. I said also twice in that sentence. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, and we are part of the uh, Raw Live and Unedited Podcast Network as well. So you can find us on those feeds on iTunes and Stitcher if you want to not only get us, but uh, a bunch of other great shows covering <laughs> movies, books, uh, comic books, toys, action figures, photography, whatever. Uh, a bunch of cool stuff on there, and everyone is all very supportive and good friends of us, so we appreciate that. And yes. uh, the, the main way to keep up with us is through our Facebook page. Uh, well, not the page, but the group page, which is uh, under Who Will Survive Horror Podcast. So if you go on Facebook, just search Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and both things will pop up. You can like our page, you can join the group, and uh, have some fun with it. Yeah, uh, I think that's definitely. it. Uh, so thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time.